Welcome to the Show Me the Data podcast by Leadsip, where every week we get marketing and sales leaders from fast-growing B2B tech companies to share specific tactics they use to drive revenue for their business. The best part, they share the exact metrics and data points behind each of their tactics. I'm your host, Tukhan Das, the co-founder and CEO of Leadsip. See you there. Hello, everyone. This is Tukan from Leadsift here, and my guest today for the show is Lauren McCormack. Lauren's the Director of Demand Generation at SnapLogic. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So I guess uh, quickly, Lauren, if you want to give the audience a quick overview of what SnapLogic does, uh, that'll be great. Sure. Uh, SnapLogic is an integration platform as a service. Mm -hmm. Uh, We allow you to integrate large amounts of data, large amounts of applications across the business without the support of IT, without um, needing a ton of code to make things connect and sing and deliver value to your business. Um, We unleash the power of your data for the citizen developer in in every aspect and in every way we make things work together. Amazing. Yeah. So I guess as the director of demand generation, Lauren, what are some of the key uh, roles that, that, that you have at sure. SnapLogic? Yeah. At the end of the day, um, keeping everybody employed, making sure we're <laughs> facilitating sustainable growth and uh, no pressure, right? Yeah, just yeah. carrying that top level uh, revenue as, as your guiding light, as your North Star and mm-hmm. uh, ensuring lead quality, lead quantity and actionability, right? Not making sure... Um, at the end of the day, that we're generating a bunch of noise in areas that aren't productive for the business, but really targeting and focusing in alignment with sales um, and their priorities mm-hmm. to, to get the right conversations with the right people at the right time. That's that that is great. So now, and and you, how long have you been with uh, SnapLogic? Right. Since May, and Since uh, okay. for Since people watching months. in the future, it's yeah. Uh, almost October now where we're standing. That's, that is correct. Cool. So now I know the, 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 the main topic for today's discussion is about a, a super successful campaign that you ran at your previous job at Neo4j, where it seems like you guys drove over 40,000 net new leads for this series of virtual events that you did. That's, that's what we are going to talk about. So can you high level tell us what the virtual event series was? What was it called? What was the theme of that um, event? Looking back um, into everybody's favorite uh, historical year, 2020, in recent memory, um, we were at the beginning of 2020 um, as a company, our marketing team internationally got together at the Marriott Marquis um, at the end of 2019 in, in Times Square in New York. And we were doing an on-site research visit and also a departmental kind of uh, planning session for what we were going to do in 2020. And I remember sitting at a boardroom table and thinking to myself, geez, in 2020, virtual events sure are going to be critical. <laughs> I had no idea <laughs> that um, those thoughts uh, were, were kind of a vision of the future to come for the, whole, the rest of the world, you know? And... Um, so we had planned for some some 
up leveling and some increase in, in scale and volume around digital events to begin with. But lo and behold, as we said in the Marriott Marquis, we could hardly realize that this big event, the in-person event that we are planning for mm -hmm. in Times Square that was going to take place, you know, in, in the middle of spring of 2020, <clears throat> that uh, we really didn't need to, to be at the Marriott Marquis to look at anything at the end of 2019. Um, we, were, we were caught in, in, a, in a world in about February, March 2020, where... Yeah. It wasn't quite so clear whether or not everything needed to be canceled. You know, it was, I think, a lot of bargaining with yourself around, oh, this will only last for a week or two, or, you know, COVID, COVID isn't going to change the game for, for much longer than a month or two. So we can just delay, we can postpone these, these in-person events that we had planned. And, and we were looking at, at having a few thousand people come to Times Square for an annual conference. Um, but at some point in February, the writing was on the wall um, that we were at least going to have to say that it was postponed. As we postponed it, uh, further and further out, the longer that it became apparent that COVID was here to stay with us for an extended amount of time, uh, the more we realized virtual is everything in this moment. Our entire sales staff was grounded our um, entire company was grounded, right? And we needed a way to reach out, uh, to express that, that we cared about our open source community, to, to demonstrate value to people that were end users or customers or prospects that were facing job uncertainty. The mm -hmm. whole company felt uncertain. You know, our, our CEO was candid when, when he would speak to the all hands meetings we don't know what's going to happen. You know, there are no guarantees here. So as a marketing department, especially as a demand gen division of, of the marketing department, you know, me and my direct reports and, and a couple of my colleagues and marketing ops um, and a couple of my international colleagues got to chatting. How can we do our very best to make digital carry the company? Mm -hmm. To ensure that nobody gets laid off, to ensure that nobody has an increased level of uncertainty, of uncomfortability, of hardship um, in these uncertain times, what can we do to generate revenue to protect our people, not just mm -hmm. the brand, but our people from the horrific effects of COVID and it, its economic impact, right? And so... We set out to make a virtual event series. Um, we thought it was gonna be a stopgap solution. We thought mm -hmm. this is gonna be something big and splashy that we do to take the place of our in-person event in, mm -hmm. in Times Square. Mm -hmm. Our leadership team was ambitious, overly ambitious in some estimations around wanting to do it monthly. And oh. we're like, we're never gonna get the audience. We're never gonna mm -hmm. have a serial, viewership that will carry over from event to event? How could we potentially, you know, continue to grow something um, that's happening so regularly was, was kind of the question and the challenge. But we looked at the topics and we looked at the lineup of speakers that we were able to coordinate that my wonderful colleague, Greta, who's just amazing, um, was able to put together a list of logos of people ready, willing, and able to speak out on behalf of our brand, not mm -hmm. only for a testimonial, but almost 
for for the opportunity to inspire other people, other yep. data architects, other data scientists, other other um, developers, other other corporations to see the value of connected data. And you know, as we started digging into building these agendas, and as you know, time unfolded in 2020, we realized graph databases are at the heart of supply chain, are at the heart of contact tracing, mm -hmm. are at the heart of vaccine research, are at the heart of patient journey conversations and outcomes, like mm -hmm. uh, determining treatment plans. So, you know, we started off with, with companies and logos like, you know, Chan Zuckerberg and AstraZeneca and Novartis. And then before we knew it, we were talking supply chain and, and, and kind of the penultimate experience, right? The one that you tell your kids and your parents about, we got to talk to NASA, right? Yeah. About how we managed to expedite the mission to Mars by a couple of years, by looking yeah. at connected data and looking at, um, you know, uh, commonalities and why space missions would fail, probably save lives, you know, um, across Absolutely. the yeah. So, so it became much more meaningful than just a virtual event series with prospects and customers. It became almost like we kind of looked at ourselves like a PBS, like we were curating high yeah. quality content uh, for people that wanted an education around uh, what graph databases were and what they could do to improve the world for our, our kids, for, for in the real, in the moment, in the real, yeah. in, in real time, what we could do in a tangible way in our communities. Um, and in uh, pushing forward innovation in the face of an unprecedented crisis. So that is really certainly a higher mission. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. So now, now, so once you guys figured out the the theme of of the of the of this virtual event series, I believe it was called Connections. It's that's a great correct. name for a graph yeah. database. Um, name yeah. that. Yeah. that's awesome. So now let's talk about. You know, from a from a marketing dimension perspective, you know, we talked about in 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 2020 alone, you drove 40,000 net new leads or people attending, registering for this. What were the different tactics you used to drive uh, leads or, or registrants for this event? That's a great question, and uh, we didn't hang our hat in just one place. Mm -hmm. We knew that email fatigue, just general workplace fatigue. Um, with with the, the stress of virtual school for kids on top of working from home for a whole lot of people that weren't accustomed to the notion of doing so, to even just the stressors of how am I going to take care of my, my older family? How am I going to procure, you know, just food and, and things of that nature? Um, everything became incrementally more stressful. Um, and checking your email inbox was included, right? So mm -hmm. um, our first volley, of course, was always uh, two or three email touches um, to promote to our open source database, which, you know, was amazing. Um, we'd get hundreds of registrations with each email touch, but we quickly noticed, you know, diminishing returns as 2020, Zoom mm -hmm. fatigue, all those things kind of set in. Yeah. And it became apparent to me as I analyzed, you know, just my own behavior. Um, you know, I'm, I'm waking up in the morning, getting ready for, you know, maybe a 7 a.m. call with somebody in EMEA. And um, the fastest I could go through my inbox and delete all the solicitations, anybody I didn't know, anybody that wasn't my boss, anybody that I didn't have to follow up with 
the better, the faster, the better, right? So, I mean, my own behavior was just to swipe and delete and, and get that inbox as clean and as crisp as possible. I didn't have time to listen to value propositions or bullet points mm. or, you know, um, $25 gift cards and exchanges for, you know, demos. I, I, there just wasn't time for that um, with everything mm -hmm. else that needed to be accomplished. So I thought to myself, where am I going where I'm more receptive to messages, to invitations mm -hmm. specifically? Mm -hmm. And it's social media. You know, what was kind of the the shelter in the storm, right? You go to your Instagram feed, you go to LinkedIn, you go to Facebook, you'd see people posting pictures of their kids, right? You know, mm -hmm. or, or um, your brain could kind of relax. And, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. this was, um, this was kind of uh, transformative for me when I realized, you know, people are going to be more comfortable to accepting an invitation after hours um, or on the weekend, right? So we started kind of uh, playing with how we were perceiving the difference um, of between an invitation and email and an invitation in social media. And when I say social media, I don't mean, you know, uh, LinkedIn Sales Navigator. I'm more thinking of uh, Clearbit, right? Mm -hmm. And how Clearbit could take a list of email addresses. So say we invited a cohort of people via mm -hmm. email, we can take those business email addresses, upload them into Clearbit, and Clearbit provides uh, likely matches for their social media profiles. Mm -hmm. And this is this is kind of early in the days of this feature functionality. It almost seemed like some kind of secret magic, right? We're like, how did you do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was before like a lot of tech or B2B was even actively thinking about having a presence in your social media feed. So we were kind of one of the early, early ad adopters, and we were able to go in front of the same people that we emailed and reinforce that message with something fun. And, you know, it's, it's not so much even about the, the techniques that we use as far as posting the event on our, our site or directing newsletters or talking about it in the community or all the good things in paid search and social organic, um, you know, posts, all those wonderful things, press releases, uh, blogs. I mean, we, we did it all. But at the end of the day, looking at how we could rethink that messaging, instead of assuming that our audience would just pick us up on any channel yeah. and listen, we started thinking about where we could carve through um, the stress and the noise to really be a welcome a welcome and, and well-received uh, messenger instead of some sort of uh, source of spam to be overlooked. And, and we really found that a lot in paid search and social with Clearbit. So, so if I understand that correctly, Lauren, you were basically reaching out to your existing database of the, from the open source community through email nurture. But at the same time, you were also uploading that audience into, into paid social uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, using Clearbit and reaching out to them via paid social, driving them to register for, for the, sure. event, the same sure. audience. We figured, yeah, we figured, well, we did Clearbit audiences to, to reinforce our messaging mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for um, the people that we were inviting via email, but we were also as a department tasked with finding net new enterprise yes. leads. It had to yep. be uh, billion plus in our core countries. And, you know, that's a finite universe, right? Yeah. 
You're looking at companies of that stature and size. So that was another KPI that we were held to. So while we were actively trying to engage people that had opted in and mm-hmm. were part of our, our invitation and our webinar program, you know, um, uh, in, in, in the database existing, we, another extra layer of fun was that we had to go and source net new, yep. uh, as well. So, you know, then we would look at the target account lists, yep. um, or we would dial in audiences, lookalike audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were definitely not just cultivating existing, but I mean, the, the goal numbers that we were tasked to accomplish were huge stretch goals that were set long before the pandemic was even understood. So, so there were, there were definitely um, existing people in our database being marketed to, but we were pulling in and netting net new leads like crazy. And I I believe, you know, um, the 40,000 figure that you listed, that was net new enterprise. Oh, wow. Wow. And when you say 40,000 net new, these are from people at companies that are over a billion plus. Well, to qualify, uh, we did have one yep. event, um, a community event that mm-hmm. we held in July, where um, the whole spirit and notion of inclusivity extended well beyond just the enterprise. Understood. Um, especially since there was like a product-led growth initiative around, you know, a SaaS version of Neo that was hmm. meant to be available to everyone, right? Not just Understood. The, the Fortune Five. Okay. Um, so we we definitely. Uh, yeah, I think for that event, you know, um, opened up opened up the requirements around revenue and geography. I think we got thirteen thousand registered just for remember. that event. Yeah, it was crazy. Incredible. It was it blew up the event uh, platform at, right after the keynote. You know, <laughs> kind of like the virtual equivalent of when everybody goes to the elevator at a at yeah. a convention in a hotel and no one can get to their first session on time yeah. because everybody needs the elevator. It was kind of the equivalent of that we had such a big turnout. interesting there was one thing that you mentioned in in before when when we chatted and you guys use this new targeting criteria or a new product from google called google performance max to, yeah. to try some of those registrants can you talk a little bit about that sure it's um it's more of a, a campaign type than, okay. than anything else and we were given beta access by our agency um, and their relationship with uh, Google, they were able to secure us early access to okay. a feature. And you know, I'm I'm down to innovate. I'm down to to test new things. Little did I realize that um, this was going to generate millions of views of video uh, a video in our YouTube channel over the course of a month. You know, we had like I think two or three million views. It's got to be much even higher now. Um, around just like a, a little 30 second trailer for a book, hmm. you know, and it, uh, it just blew us away. It's a, it's a hybrid campaign type that includes video along with traditional text and, and, and imagery. And it's, it's really this broad spectrum um, campaign type from a reach perspective that allows for the campaign to spread your message far and wide uh, in the wrong hands, of course, <laughs> that can result in a lot of waste or a lot of, you know, leads outside of maybe uh, your, your focus, um, focus areas in the right hands with a little bit of learning and a lot of trial and error. You know, we were able to increase our, our, 
our net new leads by like 157% in the enterprise space and that billion plus space. And as time went on, we were able to cut our CPA by 54%. Um, So it was super powerful. And uh, it ended up getting us featured on Think with Google, which is a pretty cool feat. And uh, we had a lot of fun with it. And we're still, you know, at my, at my, uh, new company and at my former tinkering and finding new ways to kind of unleash the power of this campaign type. It's a, it's really interesting to see on round two here, a a book asset at my new company already past the million viewpoint on YouTube, which is a pretty cool. So it's primarily a video based. It's uh, video with traditional, um, you know, images and text, but the video is deployed as kind of the new interesting facet uh, of the campaign. And someone would see the video on YouTube when they're searching for something. Is that That's right? right? That's right. And, and the text and the image, is it on search or is it more on display? Sorry. Um, so it's, it's, it's a broad spectrum tool and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, search and display. Okay. Um, but what's interesting is that you can combine it with offline conversion imports and you can continue to optimize it. So it's, it's got the ability to, to really do some sophisticated learning, mm-hmm. um, I think. And it's, 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 um, it's been really transformative. Um, it's, but it's not for everybody. You know, I've, I've seen, I've seen people try and wield it and it's like this giant machine gun in the hands of you know, <laughs> somebody that maybe has, has never uh, fired a BB gun. It's, it's a powerful, powerful tool. And do you use it? Do you think it's best to use from a more of a brand awareness top of the funnel type activity versus direct response, like booking a demo or like attending uh, an event, downloading a content or something like that? It, um, it's been successful for me across a few different types of conversion types, right? So mm. um, I think it depends on how you produce the video asset, to be honest with you, right? Understood. So it's, um, I've seen video produced and, and when we talk about keeping things short form, you know, some people are like, oh, it's only five minutes. And I'm like, no, by short form, I mean more like 15 to 30 seconds. And it's, it's, um, it's, it'll automate, Google will automate the targeting and the delivery of the campaign uh, based on a lot of the information that you provide. So it's almost kind of as good, you'll get out of it what you put into it as far as what you want the program to, um, to learn and to understand and, and those placements with dynamic ad formats and, and, and the, the audiences that you define are really open-ended and can, can mm-hmm. extend your reach almost too far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like for, for the event that I was talking about with the 13,000, um, when we opened up globally and we allowed for uh, non-traditional logos and titles outside the enterprise, you know, we were seeing two and $3 registrations. Insane. Which That's was crazy. awesome, but I mean, they were outside of regions where we didn't I have sales teams. Yeah. yeah, And maybe these were people trying to, uh, a lot of these were people seeking out educational opportunities, yeah. which is yeah. awesome though. That's so good for the brand. That's yeah. so good for just people, for, hu- for, yeah. for the betterment of humanity in general. And yeah. it was crazy after, uh, you know, the events, we would start the events by welcoming everyone uh, from around the globe. And we would see, you know, hello from Sri Lanka, hello from Bangladesh, hello from, you know, Albuquerque, 
and yeah. and it was just so fun and cool to see the 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 audience and the mix of people that we would attract with our content but even more fascinating was at the end of the day we would get emails or comments in the Q&A around asking for certificates for education mm-hmm. that's that's it's that's, a that's incredible yeah it's a webinar is- like the content was meant to sell educate also but uh, you know um the fact that the the value resonated so well um and that it contributed to the learning of our participants i think at the heart of the matter it was it wasn't so much the tactics it wasn't so much the the crafty ways we got people to register it was the content itself you know exactly. it was and we spent so much time pre-recording and curating and loving on those decks, those speakers. You know, um, some of it just was tapping into my my years as a little league manager, right? It was getting people to see the best version of themselves that they can present on camera and yeah. making non-traditional kind of public speaker opportunities for um people that maybe were kind of shy or hesitant to, to, um, to go ahead and, and, and celebrate their successes, to, to yeah. lift up somebody that had spent an awful lot of time knee deep in code, but had built something beautiful to give yeah. them, um, you know, maybe that second or third dry run or to, to wait until their, their um, internet resolved or to yeah. wait until yeah you know, their demo didn't time out um, and to really get that best version of themselves that they had to offer that maybe they didn't even know was there. It was, it was a lot more than just showing up um, with whomever we could kind of find and hitting record or hitting, um, you know, the on 24 button or the, the, the go-to button and, and, and broadcasting. It was really about curating value and, and the message once we were able behind a logo that people found to deliver value over the years that they found um, contributed to their professional success and the success of their company to combine that um, secret sauce of how the best in class in, in different industries and verticals were using the software and technology to change the world. It was yeah. the change the world piece. Yeah, yeah. That, that and, really- and, and- and Diego you know, Forte is definitely blessed with that, right? With such a big sure. open source community and working with such phenomenal companies doing so much for the greater good of humanity. So, that, so that's great. I mean, this is this is fascinating, Lauren. I, I really appreciate you sharing these insights. Uh, so high level then, Lauren, if you had to say three things, what contributed to the success of, you know, getting 40,000 net new leads uh, for this virtual event seminar in 2020, when you guys just had to pivot and, and go digital, what would be those three things uh, that you think resulted in this cool. massive success? Cool. Yeah, I think first and foremost, it was hard work. You know, if we looked at it with low standards and um, we're just looking to complete a task that was assigned mm-hmm. to us as a team, we could have easily settled for a couple hundred registrants called our sure. job done, passed those leads along and said, okay, we, we, we checked the boxes for satisfactory, but at the, at the end of the day, what really happened was a group of people leaning together against um, a challenge that they couldn't even have fathomed a year before yeah. Yeah. Um, to protect each other, to protect a company 
to um, protect our clients, to protect our prospects against uncertainty, uh, we leaned into a problem with hard work and, and found ways to do things different, to do things smarter, to make to continually make things better. And after the first event was successful, we didn't just stop and say, that was good. We'll, we'll have more of the same, please. We said, that was good. How do we make it great? How do yeah. we take the hard work that we didn't even think we were capable yeah. of and double down on it? You know, what, <laughs> what could contribute more value? Should we have an animation at the beginning? Should we have an introductory kind of two minutes like you would have at a trade show where the lights go down and turn to the logo colors <laughs> and the hype music comes up and everybody yeah. gets goosebumps? Could we do yeah. that? Yeah. Sure. Is that going to be extra work? Is that going to be super hard? The Maybe. production. Is it still sure. worth it? Do it. And then the yeah. hard work, you know, translates and trickles down all the way to our vendors, to our partners, to our contractors, inspiring everybody to do all the hard work that it takes to, to grow something from nothing. You have to lead by example. And you have to, your, your enthusiasm has to be contagious, right? So mm -hmm. leaning into just, I guess, more so than hard work and enthusiasm, I guess it's just passion. Like we were just super passionate about um, making it the best it could be. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think innovation will be an important secondary yep. component here. Yep. Um, we needed to find ways in a competitive market, super competitive space to be one step ahead of our, our, our competition. And the only way to do that was with innovation. And yep. as a marketer, digital marketer, especially, I mean, I'm flooded with people that want to tell me about how their tech is going to change my life. Yep. And in reality, that innovation, that tech is, is just, it's nothing without the people that can create 100%. a vision. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you have to know what the 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 edge is innovative innovation wise you need to be in a relationship with your vendors with your partners with your tech stack to know when there's an opportunity to really get that competitive edge and be smart yep. and jump on it yep. and then to know when you're just a really um overpaid qa tester <laughs> That's like you're looking um, and kicking tires and looking for bugs and something that isn't going to really be impactful. So I guess yeah. smart innovation, right? Not just yeah. grabbing new feature functionality and and and, yeah. and tinkering, but really kind of curating and shopping and actively listening for for those uh, key points where you can use technology to get yeah. in front uh, of the herd. And I think third and most importantly it's celebrating people, right? Celebrating our, our, our customer testimonial at NASA, celebrating their story, truly celebrate, not, not saying, oh, you know, we're going to let our customer spokesperson speak for five minutes and then strap on a deck from sales with 50 slides that is the elevator pitch for deeper in the funnel that doesn't even belong here where we're talking yeah. about obtuse feature functionality let the customer be the star, you know, yeah. let their yeah. story um, inspire other people powerfully. So the next session you do feature somebody that was inspired by yeah. <laughs> the session you just recorded, yeah. but like really, really celebrating the external customers, but then also celebrating your team, right? Yeah. Because that hard work, that first tenant, um, you know, burnout was a real thing in 20. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, there were thankless hours spent rebroadcasting connections in in the wee hours of the night into the into the wee hours or the late hours of the night into the wee hours or the morning, uh, rebroadcasting the content um, for an audience on the other side of the world. And um, you know, those 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 responsibilities would have been executed with or without celebrating the people in the team that made them happen or the partners at our agencies or at our, um, you know, uh, at our uh, other satellite offices around the globe. But at the end of the day, um, you inspire your own team by celebrating the people that put in those, those extra uh, layers of care or, yeah. or, or passion. And, and it makes other people feel motivated too. So I think, you know, we just did a real good job of celebrating our customers yeah. to our prospects and, and celebrating our team um, to the company. Amazing. Cool. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thanks a lot for, for, sure. for sharing your insights. This is this is phenomenal. I learned quite a few new things. I, I need to check out Google Performance Max. It's pretty cool. Once, yeah, uh, you bet. Uh, thank you so much once again. Thank you. Have a great day. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. See you.